Hello and welcome to the latest in our series of podcasts. I'm Rowan Turrell. I'm the partner and head of dispute resolution at Boyce Turner. And as before, I'm joined by Ali Toe, who is a senior associate in the group who specialises in matters related to contested wills. Ali, can you tell us what we're going to be talking about during today's podcast? Hi, Rowan. So yes, today we're going to be talking about the removal of executors or administrators if they are not administering an estate correctly. Okay, so Ali, you've talked about both executors and administrators there. Can you let me know what the difference is between those two for people who aren't aware? So executors and administrators are persons appointed to administer a deceased estate. Executors are chosen by the deceased and named in their wills. Usually there'll be someone with whom the deceased had a close relationship, such as a family member or friend, but it's also common for testators to appoint a professional person, such as their lawyer or accountant. Administrators are appointed in circumstances where there's no will and the deceased has died in testate. Who this person will be is determined by the intestacy rules, which set out an order of priority, being surviving spouse or civil partner, children, parents, siblings, followed by more distant relatives thereafter. And so, Ali, once you've worked out who the executor or the administrator is going to be, what has to happen next for them to be appointed? So having identified who are named as the executors in the will, or in the case of an intestacy, the person with highest priority to be appointed as administrator, the first step is to ascertain whether or not they are willing to be appointed. In the case of executors, it's often the case that the deceased will not have told them he has appointed them in their will, and they may not be willing to accept the appointment. If they do not want to accept the appointment, provided they've not taken any steps as regards the administration, they can simply renounce the appointment and someone else can be appointed in their place. That other person can be determined either by reference to an alternative substitute clause in the will or by agreement with the beneficiaries. In the case of administrators, it's just a case of going down the list of persons with entitlement to be appointed and finding someone who's willing to undertake the role. And so once you've done that, what's the first step once they've decided that they're going to, to go ahead and be the executor or the administrator, as the case may be? So once appointed, the first step will be to ascertain whether it's necessary to obtain a grant of probate in the case of executors or letters of administration in the case of administrators. Whether a grant or letters will be necessary will depend upon the value of the estate. Typically, it will be necessary where there is a property to be sold. The grant of probate or letters of administration is the legal document from which the executors or administrators derive their legal powers to act and sign documents on behalf of the estate. So, for example, a contract of sale in respect of a property. And what happens if that executor or the administrator doesn't get on and actually apply for the, the grant or the letter of administration? So it's not always necessary to issue court proceedings. If having indicated a willingness to accept an appointment, an executor or administrator does not press on with the application for a grant or probate or letters of administration, then it's not necessary for any beneficiaries to simply wait until they do so before taking steps to seek their removal. Whilst written inquiries should be made of the executor or administrator as to why they've not yet made the application, ultimately there are various steps that the beneficiaries can take. These will usually mean an application, but not an application to the court because the application will be made to the probate registry. 
There are various grounds on which these applications can be made, which are too numerous to mention in this podcast and legal advice should be sought. I should stress, however, that an application to the probate registry will not be possible, even if no grant or letters have been obtained, if the executor or administrator has intermeddled in the estate in any way. Executors can intermeddle in an estate in several ways, ranging from simply transferring funds from a deceased bank account to disposing of property. When I say intermeddling, I should explain what I mean. That's any step that is taken within the administration of the estate, which would dispose of any assets in the estate or anything else in relation to uh, financial matters relating to the administration of the estate. So if somebody, for example, was to start paying off the deceased debts using money that belonged to the deceased, that would be intermeddling, would it? Absolutely. Okay, thanks, Ali. Um, So once we've got somebody actually appointed, what are the actual duties of an executor or an administrator? So once appointed, the duties of an executor or administrator are the same. And that's quite simply to collect in the deceased assets and then distribute the estate to the beneficiaries after payment of any debts, funeral expenses, inheritance tax if relevant, and so on. The only difference arises when it comes to identifying the beneficiaries entitled to inherit. In the case of an executor, this will be determined by the deceased's wishes as set out in their will. But where the deceased died intestate without having made a will, then this will be determined by reference to the intestacy rules. Again, much like the appointment of the administrator itself, the rules set out a list of priority as regards who should inherit and on what basis. Thanks, Ali. And I know that some of your work in the past has arisen because beneficiaries aren't happy with the way that the executor or the administrator is performing those duties. What can happen in those scenarios? Well, if you're a beneficiary or someone else with an interest in the deceased estate, for example, a creditor, and you think the executor or administrator is not carrying out his duties properly, then as a starting point, you should write to him, setting out your concerns and giving him a chance to respond. Often it's the case that what the beneficiaries view as delays are not really delays, but more misunderstanding as to appropriate timescales for completion of the administration of the estate. Uh, And if that doesn't resolve the position, is there another way forward that people can take to try and progress matters? Yes. If you remain concerned that the executor or administrator is not undertaking his duties properly, then you can make an application to court seeking an order for their removal. You should give the executor or administrator advance notice of your intention to do so and again afford him an opportunity to respond to your concerns. If there's still no response or you're not happy with their response, then you can proceed with the application. And what are the sorts of things that the court will look at when it determines that application? Is it just simply the case if a beneficiary is unhappy that they'll remove the executor? No, an application to remove an executor or administrator is discretionary in nature. And so an order will not always be made. Each case will turn on its own individual facts, but the most important consideration for the court is whether the executor's or administrator's actions are such as to prejudice the due administration of the estate. Clear evidence of misconduct on the part of the executor or administrator, particularly in relation to financial matters, will usually result in removal, as would dishonesty or lack of good faith, 
but hostility between the executor or administrator and the beneficiaries will generally not be sufficient grounds to justify removal. It's only when the proper administration of the estate is being adversely affected that removal will be considered. Okay, thanks, Ali. Um, and if you end up going down that route, are you able to say roughly how long it would take the court to consider the application? Well, this will depend on whether a grant or letters have been obtained and also if the application is defended or not. Undefended applications can usually be finalised within about six months from the date of issue. And often they're dealt with by way of paper applications without any formal court hearing. But defended actions will take substantially longer to conclude, in many cases up to at least 12 months from the date of issue. And Ali, from your experience, can you tell me about a case where an executive was removed? Yes, I can. I was involved in a case where my client's brothers were removed as executors of her late mother's estate because the court considered their conduct was such that it was not possible for the administration of the estate to be concluded. The background to the case was that my client and two of her brothers had been named as executors in the will of their late mother, but the grant of probate was obtained in the sole name of one of the brothers with power reserved to my client and her other brother. This had been done in the hope that it would make it easier and quicker for the administration of the estate to be completed, but unfortunately no steps were taken by the brother to progress the administration of the estate. Initially, therefore, my client and her other brother then took out their own grant, but both brothers then refused to take any steps in connection with the administration of the estate, and so eventually, four and a half years after my client's mother had died, and following some pre-action correspondence which did not resolve matters, my client brought court proceedings seeking the removal of both of her brothers as executors. And so what did the court look at there, Ali, and, and how did it decide it was appropriate to remove one of them? The main asset in the estate was a property. There'd been some indications that a developer may be interested in buying it as the property came with a considerable amount of land. Purchase by a developer would have significantly increased the value of the property. However, as I say, after four and a half years after mum's death, no formal offer had been made by a developer and it was becoming increasingly unlikely that any such offer would be made because there was no vehicular access to the property. Despite this, both brothers continued to contend that a developer would make an offer for the property and that whilst this remained a possibility, it should not be sold on the open market as the sale price would be considerably less. Matters were further complicated by the fact that one of the brothers had taken up occupation of the property with his family. He was not paying any rent and perhaps not surprisingly, therefore, he was not particularly keen to proceed with the administration of the estate as this would have meant the property would have to be sold and he and his family would have to find alternative accommodation to live in. So what did the court decide in the end in that case, Ali? Initially, the court simply made an order directing that the property be sold and giving directions as to how the executors should conduct arrangements in relation to the sale. Whilst the property was then finally marketed for sale, my client's brothers continued to remain in default of the order as regards steps to be taken to complete the sale. Accordingly, it was necessary for my client to apply back to court once again, when the court not only made an order for their removal, but also made an order giving the master permission to sign the sale contract documentation in their place 
should they fail to do so within a specified period of time. Thanks, Ali. That sounds a really interesting case. So in that one, though, the executor was removed. Do you have any examples of cases in which the court exercised its discretion the other way and decided it wasn't going to remove an executor? Well, Rowan, these cases are actually very rarely reported. And so I can't give you an example of a case which failed in its entirety, but I can give you an, an example of a case which failed in part. And that was the case of Harris and Earwicker, where a son made an application to remove the executors of his late father's will. The issues in the claim arose largely from the contents of his father's will, which had been prepared by Mr. Harris, a solicitor and one of the executors, the other executors being an accountant and a friend of Mr. Earwicker. So what did the court do in that case, Ali? So whilst the court considered that the relationship between the executors and the son had broken down, it did not consider this had any adverse effect on the administration of the estate. The administration of the estate was in fact largely concluded, the remaining work arising in respect of a trust which had been set up under the will, giving Mrs Earwicker the right to purchase an alternative property in the future. The court also had regard to the fact that it considered Mr Earwicker had given careful thought as to who he would like to appoint as executor. His wishes were only one factor to take into account, but the court considered they carried real weight in circumstances where the beneficiaries were divided about the need for a change. Mrs Earwicker and the other residuary beneficiary, which was a charity, did not want the executors removed. In the end, the court made an order removing Mr Harris, despite there being no wrongdoing on his part or any adverse effect on the administration of the estate, but they refused to order the removal of the other two executors. Thanks, Ali. So we've been talking today about executors and administrators being removed. What happens then in terms of the estate being administered? Who else gets appointed in their place to move things forward? Well, as I mentioned earlier, Rowan, executors are usually family members or friends. So the court will look to see whether the testator's will gives any guidance on alternative executors. But if there is no such clause, then it will consider whether there's another family member or friend who's willing to take up the position. If not, then as a last resort, the court will appoint a professional person, usually a solicitor or an accountant. With administrators, the same principles apply. But when considering an alternative administrator, the court will work their way down the list of persons entitled to apply as set out in the intestacy rules. And if no one is willing to act, then again, the court will consider appointing a professional person. And if part of the problem is that beneficiaries have all just fallen out with each other and nobody uh, would agree to another one taking on the role, is that another circumstance where a professional might be appointed instead to try to break that deadlock? Yes, absolutely, because otherwise it's likely that's all that's going to happen is the estate is going to be in deadlock again with the beneficiaries and the new executors falling out with each other. Um, so the court will want to avoid having another application to court. That's great. Thanks very much, Ali. That's been a really useful discussion about the options available uh, when the administration of estates doesn't go quite according to plan. Um, thanks very much for your input today. You're welcome. Thanks. And that's the last one that we're preparing in this series. Um, but please do go to our website for details of the previous three podcasts 
uh, that we've produced if you've not listened to those so far. If you have any queries in related to contested wills issues, then do please feel free to get into contact with Ali. You can contact her via email at atow at boysturner.com and you can also find our contact details on our website boysturner.com. Thank you for joining us today.